Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with XGrowth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Growth Colony, Australia's B2B marketing podcast. My name is Shaheen from X-Growth, and today I'm joined by Steve Watt, the VP of Marketing of a company called Grapevine 6. Now, today we're going to be talking about ABM and how should marketers start ABM? If you're looking at starting your first account-based marketing campaign, where should you start and what kind of problems should you avoid? So on that note, Steve, thanks a lot for joining us on uh, on this episode. Shaheen, thanks for having me. It's always been my pleasure to speak with you personally, and I'm glad we're now doing it with an audience. Well, it's always great to have you. I very much enjoy our conversations. But um, look, for for those who might not know yourself or uh, the company, can you give us a quick brief about uh, about both of them? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's safe to say not too many people in Australia know me or know the company. So yeah, happy to talk about that a little bit. And interestingly, I'm not uh, with a company that sells ABM technology. So I'm going to put that right out there. I'm an ABM practitioner. I have uh, been around the ABM space for a long time and I use ABM in my company, but I'm not I'm not selling any ABM services. So I work for a company, as you said, called Grapevine 6. I lead the small marketing team there. We're about a 60-person SaaS company. We're really focused on social engagement for financial services professionals and salespeople in some of North America's largest banks and insurance companies and a few big tech companies as well. And the way I like to think about what we're solving for is that smart marketing leaders are figuring out that the total reach and impact, potential impact of all the employees in their company absolutely dwarfs the reach and potential impact of their own channels, their their company's advertising channels. But they're not doing a very good job of empowering people to get out there on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and really advocate for themselves and for their business. And a lot of people are really held back. They don't know what to talk about on social. They're afraid of making a mistake. They're afraid of looking bad Uh, in financial services. They're afraid of getting into regulatory compliance problems. So we set out to solve that problem with the right content for them and compliance baked in, brand compliance and also legal regulatory compliance. And as a result, these companies are able to really unleash their people to be awesome brand advocates for their own personal brand and and for the corporate brand as well. Amazing. Amazing. And um, and you mentioned very, very humbly that, uh, that you know, you uh, people might not have heard of you, but as you said, you've been practicing ABM for a long time, account-based marketing. You've done uh, courses on account-based marketing. You've uh, you run a podcast uh, which uh, which has a strong focus on on account-based marketing as well, and uh, have been in the space for a long time. And I'd love to, if somebody has been under the rock and and haven't really heard about ABM or account-based marketing, first, my first question is, how would you define account-based marketing? 
That's a great question. There are there are so many definitions out there, and some of them run really, really long. So I try to really simplify it because I get asked that question a lot. My simple answer is it's multi-threaded, multi-channel, multi-touch, and highly targeted. And let me unpack that a little bit. Multi-threaded sales talk for the fact that we are not just going after one person, one lead. It's all about figuring out who are all the various stakeholders and influencers and potential roadblocks in this B2B deal that we're working on and getting multi-threaded, getting engagement with all or as many as possible of the people who are going to participate in that deal in one way or another. So multi-threaded is number one. Number two is multi-channel. It's not just about hitting the phones or hitting the email. It is across all channels. A really smart ABM play probably is using five, six, even more different channels in harmony, really orchestrated online, offline, um, you know, digital, real life, high touch, low touch, uh, all kinds of channels all coming together. So that's the second thing. Multi-touch is the third thing. There's no silver bullet for ABM. There's no one piece of content. There's no one event. There's no one phone call or one email that causes a large complex deal to happen it just doesn't happen that way it's about it's about identifying champions and and empowering that champion to advocate within the company and overcoming objections and pulling more people into it so there's multiple touches all along the way when we you know i'm sure we're going to start talking about how abm can go wrong you know over reliance on that magic bullet, that super piece of content that's going to kick down the doors is, is a real problem. So we're multi-threaded, we're multi-channel, we're multi-touch. And the fourth thing is we're highly targeted and we have to be highly targeted because nobody can afford it. Nobody can afford to do all those other things for thousands of accounts. You just don't have the time and you don't have the money. You don't have the people to do that. So in order to be multi-threaded and multi-channel and multi-touch, you've got to get highly targeted. So there's a really important foundational part of ABM about really figuring out who your ideal account accounts are and what are the characteristics of your ideal accounts and then focusing everything on that much smaller universe instead of going after uh, you know the whole world or, or even a whole industry. You got to get much more targeted than that. Yeah, thank you for that for that definition. That's a very thorough and 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 detailed definition. I love it. I guess the other question that that I'd like to dig into is why should marketers care about account-based marketing? I mean, there are a lot of marketers who are um, working with different things. They're you know they're doing some traditional demand generation or inbound marketing, especially in the in the B two B space. Why should they care about account-based marketing? In most cases, it's because that other stuff isn't very efficient and it isn't very effective. And, you know, I like to take a bit of a historical perspective on that and say, okay, let's think back over the last few decades. So B2B marketing has always been about the funnel, right? It's always about put a bunch of leads in the top of the funnel and then nurture them and qualify them and do various stuff and some money comes out the bottom. Great. Um, how do we how do we grow? Well, we either put more leads in the top or we get better at our funnel throughput or both. And that's kind of been the game for decades. So SEO and SEM came along and put more leads in the top. Fantastic. That helped. And then a little while later, marketing 
marketing automation came along and helped us with our throughput, helped us to better nurture with, you know, workflows and cadences and everything so that we would get more output from the same amount of leads in the top. So that was good too. And then, you know, content came along and it was like, wow, you know, if we have great content, that's going to help in both of these areas. More great content means we do better in SEO and, and we're, we're more findable in more ways. So that puts more leads in the top, but content also fuels our marketing automation. And now we can nurture, instead of like bugging people, we can be nurturing people with valuable content. This is wonderful. And it worked, right? So the funnel kept getting more and more efficient. And then social media came along. It's like, wow, now we can engage with these people, you know, you know, almost let's call it face to face in a very personal way in social media. This is fantastic. And this is going to help more leads. It's going to help more throughput, all of this. So all of these things have been coming together for 20 years. You would think that the result of all of that would be a really efficient and effective funnel. But then you actually look at the numbers for most companies and it's bleak. I mean, they, they, they have thousands of leads and thousands of MQLs and SQLs and whatever they choose to call that top of the funnel kind of activity. And they got whole teams of people demoing and working stuff. Yeah, a really small portion comes out the bottom. So despite 20 years or more of process improvements and technological improvements, we still have a really inefficient funnel. So ABM people come along and say, well, maybe the problem is the funnel itself. Maybe the, the, the fundamental construct of putting a whole lot of leads in the top and, and squeezing some money out of the bottom, maybe the problem's right there. And instead of working to make it a little more efficient, maybe we ought to just scrap that model. What if we flip that funnel upside down, essentially? And what if we start by targeting on the right, start focusing on the right accounts. What if we go through a real process to understand who are our very most ideal, excellent potential customers, and then let's just focus everything there. All of our sales focus, all of our marketing focus, all of our spend, everything, let's just focus on that much smaller universe. And as a result, we can make a much bigger impact on the people that matter most. And at the end of the day, we ought to be more efficient and more effective. And, and those that have been pioneering this over the last number of years, most of the time, that's exactly what's happened. They've been more efficient. They've been more effective. So it's, it's just something that had to happen. You know, you can't keep squeezing a little more efficiency out of something until somebody comes along and says, wait, what if we just look at this entirely differently? And that's what ABM is. Right. Right. Basically, yeah, right. Becoming more efficient of, of not focusing on the number of leads that are coming in, but the, the quality of the leads that are that are coming in. And, and that's 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 great. Um, and everything that you mentioned makes perfect sense. Um, but it also sounds quite complex. And, and there it sounds like there are a lot of moving parts in there the question that a lot of people would have is, okay, cool, this is great, but where should I start? Where is that kind of practical first step that I should take towards kind of introducing ABM into, into the organization? What is, what is your answer to that? I think if it's an existing you know, company with an existing, existing marketing team and marketing function, an existing sales team, perhaps a sales development team, I'd really start with looking at the numbers today 
and validating if what I just said is actually true in your company. There's a very good likelihood it is true. There's a very good likelihood that there are a ton of website visitors who are not from companies that are in any way appropriate to you. And a ton of your social followers are never going to amount to anything. And you send a ton of emails and your open rates are bad and your click-through rates are even worse. And um, your team is having a lot of conversations that don't go anywhere. And you're doing a lot of demos because people are requesting demos, but then you're qualifying them out. And you know, just validate that what is true for a whole lot of companies is also true for you. And it probably is. And that's just on the sales side. And then look deeper into the company and look at your customers. Look at your churn rate if you're in SaaS or anything with with recurring revenue. Um, Look at who's referring you and who isn't. And you probably would pretty quickly say, oh, we got some customers over here that are amazing. Like we love them. They love us. They are loyal. They they tell all their friends about us. They advocate for us on social. And, and they renew year after year and, and, and we grow with them. Why can't they all be like them? You know, why do we have this whole big bunch of customers over here who, oh my God, the, the support tickets never end and the complaints never end and that it's always touch and go whether we're going to renew them and, and, and they're never advocating for us. Why can't all our customers be like these other guys? So if you look into your company and you see both of those things are true, are pre-sale operations are pretty inefficient and our post-sale operations have uh, a lot to be desired in terms of why can't everyone be like our best. Well, now it's time to have a serious conversation about ABM and say, okay, well, maybe we could fix both of those things. Maybe we could get more efficient on the sales size side by being more targeted, but also Once they do become our customers, if they're actually the right customers, if they're actually the right companies with the right problems that we solve, that we don't just satisfy them, we we delight them, we thrill them, then they're going to renew and they're going to grow and they're going to be a source of wonderful word of mouth for us. So I think that's the starting point is, is... really stepping back and looking at the state of your business. And if, if this stuff is true, and if your, your contract value, your average sale price is high enough, and there's a lot of debate, like let's be clear, ABM does not work if you sell a $100 product. It's not going to be efficient. You need to be doing broad market demand gen. You know, some people say you need to have a contract value over $10,000, over $20,000. I've run successful, profitable ABM on a five or $6,000 sale price. So, you know, as long as you're up somewhere into the thousands, and obviously many companies are into the hundreds of thousands or beyond, well, then ABM is probably going to be the right thing for you. But it's kind of got to start with that because that creates the foundation for sales and executives and customer success and and everybody to lean in and say, yeah, maybe there's a better way. Because without that, if marketing just tries to go it on their own, it's just another marketing campaign. It's another buzzword. It's another thing that sales and everyone else is going to ignore and you're not going to be successful. So really start 
with a cold, hard look at where you are today. And if the ground is ripe, if fertile ground for ABM, as I said, then start pulling in your peers in sales and, and in customer success and in finance and other parts of the company and say, look, if we put our heads together, I think we can find a better way. Gotcha. I think this is definitely a topic that I underestimated uh, in the early days when we started doing ABM, right? Where it's very important to have a good understanding of the business, have alignment among the team to make to say, yes, ABM is the right thing, or, or at least at the beginning say, yes, this is not working. And really bringing everyone, everyone on the same page in order to give the green light to something like an account-based marketing. And I, you know, I definitely neglected this and I was like, give me the tactics, give me the sexy stuff. That stuff is boring. Why do I have to focus on that and people and change management? But very quickly, I realized how if you don't have change management and if you don't really create that buy-in among the organization, your account-based marketing is, is doomed to fail from right at the get-go. Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Growth Colony Slack channel. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash Slack and sign up. That's growthconny.org forward slash slack. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make when they want to start with account-based marketing? <laughs> How long do we have, Shane? Look, we, we, have, <laughs> we have some time. We have some time. Maybe not for all the mistakes, but for some of the mistakes. Yeah. Oh, that that is such can worms, as they say, you know, how can you go wrong? So, um, well, you can, you can skip that stuff that we just talked about. That would be one way of going wrong. Exactly. As you said, rushing into tactics and tools and like, go, go, go look at me. I want to be in market in two weeks. Um, that's, that's going to be a mistake. I think another place is, is failing to get that alignment. So sort of the next step after that, you know, you do need, you can't go it alone as marketing. You really like, I mean, at an absolute minimum, you need strong alignment with the sales leadership and the sales team, and you need some executive head cover, right? Like, you know, in a small to mid-sized company, CEO's got to be on board. In a, you know, giant company, maybe you don't need the CEO, but, you know, senior people with responsibility for sales and marketing and, and revenue retention and these things, they've got to be on board or else this just seems like a silly little thing that's happening in some corner of the business that everyone can just ignore, you know, so I'll set this one out. I'll wait till next quarter when they're, they're on about something else. So, you know, really that, uh, alignment is, is critical. Um, don't be superficial. Uh, that's another thing that you see. Sometimes people go like, Oh, account-based marketing, right. Okay. 
uh, let's put some dynamic copy in the email subject lines that say, hey, Shaheen, uh, I've got something for you. And then we're going to drop your, your company name into the body copy. And we're going to start blasting those emails. Look at me. I'm doing ABM because I, I, you know, I addressed you by name and I, and I dropped your company name in. You know, maybe I even said, you know, I referenced your industry or something. Well, this kind of superficial surface level personalization, I hate to even call it personalization, adds no value to the buyer. It's just... A, it's just a cheap tactic to drop your name and your company name and see if I can catch your eye for a second where there's no extra value. There's no extra traction. So don't, don't be superficial. Um, I, I think another thing is, is don't be tool centric. I, I've encountered this a lot with people. They're like, okay, Steve, we're going to do ABM. So what do we need to buy? You know, demand base, terminus, engageo, um, you know, this tool, that tool, what, what do I need to buy to do ABM? And, and, you know, what I always say is you can't buy ABM. You have to build it and, and building it is a lot of work and don't run out and sp spend your financial capital, but also your reputation capital within your firm on software in the early days. You, you, you don't have a strategy yet. You don't have alignment. You don't have clarity on what you're doing. Oh, but you got this great shiny tool. Well, there's a really good chance that you're going to fail to get much value out of that tool. And you're probably going to regret that purchase. And you're probably also going to regret the couple of months you spent doing due diligence on all these different competitive tools when you didn't even know what you're doing yet. So, you know, the old adage in, in startups is, you know, do things that don't scale. Well, you know, that's true for ABM too, regardless of your, your company size. You know, do things that don't scale in, in the early days. Figure out your ideal accounts. Figure out what that really cut through value proposition and messaging is going to be. Figure out who are all the people you need to get at and get at them in using your existing tools. And you don't need purpose-built ABM tools early on. Figure out what works and what doesn't work. And once you've actually piloted it and, and, and found ways to really break through, well, now you start thinking about maybe I need some tools to, to scale this better and measure it better. So, you know, don't, don't rush. Don't be superficial. Don't work in silos, as we said. Don't focus on tools early on. And, and I think one more I'd call out is... Um, be really aware that your existing demand gen metrics might lead you astray in ABM. I've seen this so many times. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're a typical software company or SaaS company or really many kinds of companies. And it's like, okay, we're all about, you know, MQLs, SQLs, and demos. And that's what we've been driving to for years. That's what we incentivize our marketing team and our sales team on. Well, sales team ultimately on revenue, but you know, sales development and marketing, it's all about MQLs, SQLs, and demos. So let's start doing ABM. All right. So surely we're going to drive all kinds of those things, right? Well, the reality is if you do a really smart job of targeting an ABM, you might have far fewer MQLs and fewer SQLs and you might do fewer demos and that might be a really good thing because you're focused on the right people in the right accounts with the right value prop and the right supporting evidence and you ought to have a way bigger win rate a way high, like a higher win rate a shorter sales cycle 
a larger deal size and better customers at the end of it. So it's not about how many MQLs or how many demos. It's you're shifting from a quantity orientation to a quality orientation. And you might have to measure completely different things. I mean, or else you, you're going to call this a failure. You're going to say, why are we spending all this time and money on ABM? Yet our MQLs are down and our SQLs are down and our demos are down. Well, obviously this is a failure. Let's fire that marketing guy and let's go back to what we were doing before. Um, and you just, you just blew an opportunity because you didn't think about the fact that maybe you need entirely different metrics. So those are off the top of my head some of the ways it can go wrong. Gotcha. There is so much to unpack over there, and I don't think we have time for all of them. But um, one that I want to touch on is, you know, you said that, hey, at the minimum, you have to make sure that at least sales is on, on board, right? What is the role of sales when it comes to account-based marketing? How is this, how is this different than traditional um, marketing in B2B where the marketing department was responsible for certain things and then sales was responsible for certain things. Is it different in account-based marketing? And you know, if it is like, how is that different? Yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, you have to think of sales and marketing as partners throughout every phase, every phase of this. And you're exactly right. That, that handoff that, well, marketing creates leads and then you know, tosses them over the fence to sales and sales closes them. That mindset is, is gone. Like it's, it's got to go. You've got to say, look, from the very beginning to the very end, we are, we are one team. We work together. And, and that's not just talk. That's not just let's all hold hands and be best friends, right? It, it's real serious work together. So it's sales and marketing together, figuring out what are the objectives? I mean, are we going after new client acquisition here? Are we going after growing existing accounts? Are we going to take a whole bunch of uh, existing pipeline deals that are kind of stuck and kind of slow and we're going to try to get those across the finish line? Is it some combination of all of these? is there going to be an industry focus? Is there going to be a use case focus? So like figuring out all that stuff, marketing can't dictate that. It's got to be sales and marketing together. And, and then once you're together on that, it's like, okay, great. Now what accounts are we going to focus on or what clusters of accounts? Again, if, if sales gets the impression that marketing is just saying, hey, here, yeah, we've, we've done the work. Don't you worry about it. Yeah, here's, here's the target accounts. Sales is going to just completely ignore you. I mean, they... Yeah. Salespeople uh, get paid to close deals. Anything that helps them close deals, they love. Anything that gets in the way, they either ignore or they overtly uh, push back against and and um, make sure it doesn't happen. So you got to have sales involved, not just in in those top level objectives, but in the nitty gritty too. What accounts are we going after and in what order and why? Um, And then those metrics, like I said, like, you know, maybe it's not about a whole bunch of demos. Maybe it's about getting meetings with particular high level people, or maybe it's about getting executives out to some, you know, special executive breakfast series that you're doing or some particular focused webinars you're doing, like focus on what really will move the needle. And that's what everything's going to be focused on. And that has to be sales and marketing together. And then the messaging. I mean, like 
marketing just can't go like, ta-da, here's a bunch of ads and a bunch of content and, and here's a, you know, you know, special landing pages for your accounts, you know, have fun with that you know, it's, it's not going to be right. You know, sales has a critical role. Sales knows their customers really well. I, I think of all of this stuff, it's like one plus one equals three, right? Um, you take all the wisdom of sales and all the wisdom of marketing, and when they come together, they create something that's much greater than the sum of their parts. But that has to start with this really understanding that you are partners and, and teammates throughout this entire thing. And, and, and so now you know where you're focusing and you know how you're going to measure success and, and, and you've got gained clarity on your messages and, and what, what assets will help. You know, sometimes marketers think, well, I just have a bunch of case studies. That's all those guys need. And then you talk to the sales guys and they say, I don't need case studies. Nobody reads case studies. I want this other thing. So you got to come together on that. And then you got to come together on delivery. You know, salespeople are going to be critical deliverers of some of this message. Like, sure, you're going to hit them with ads and, you know, targeted social and, you know, maybe you're going to be sending them gifts and physical mail or whatever. But salespeople, you know, are their phone, when they dial in, are they on tune or are you guys singing from, from different songbooks here? Um, you know, maybe the sales guys are, you know, maybe they have to adapt their decks and maybe they have to adapt their emails and all kinds of things so that you're all, together on, on, on the message and on the purpose. And, and then there's going to be this whole feedback loop that, you know, sales is going to be coming back and saying like, yeah, you know, when I talk about this, everybody, you know, tunes me out. But when I talk about this, they get very excited. Well, that's got to feed back into the websites and the assets and the marketing messages and the ad creative and everything. So it's truly at every stage of the way, it's sales and marketing together. And that's why it all starts with that alignment. Gotcha. No, that's, that's, I, I love that. Um, there is a lot going on in the account-based marketing space, as we talked about, and it's a, it's a very, very exciting space. I think today, just today, it was, was a massive uh, announcement of a, uh, of probably the biggest merger or, kind of acquisition in the space, uh, demand base and, and engage you. So, uh, so it's an absolute pleasure talking about ABM with you and really, um, uh, getting an insight into, into all this experience that you've had. Now, if some of the listeners want to know more about yourself or, um, the company, what is the best way for them to find out? Uh, LinkedIn's my platform of choice for sure. Check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I do quite a bit of writing on LinkedIn. I love it. You know, I always say writers write, and uh, I love to write. I, I have just I'm always a lot of it's about ABM, but a lot of it's not. It's it's always about something to do with marketing or sales or something to do with business. But yeah, it's a pretty strong ABM flavor. And sometimes I do the long form posts on LinkedIn that nobody ever sees. Um, sometimes I do the short form posts. I get all kinds of uh, traction and engagement. But you know what? It's really hard to write anything meaningful in 1300 characters. So I'm always experimenting. I'm always doing stuff. So um, LinkedIn, uh, podcasting, I, I do the VP marketing, uh, the VP marketing show. I haven't been really active on that recently. I got to get back to that because that's that's been a wonderful way to get to know some really smart people and, and learn from them. I'm a regular guest host on Flip My Funnel, which is probably the leading 
ABM podcast. So Sangram Vajre, many people know him, uh, co-founder and chief evangelist at Terminus, one of the leading ABM tech companies. Sangram started this podcast. It's now over 600 episodes. It's just amazing. And it's it's gone beyond ABM now. It gets into pretty much all kinds of B2B things. But I've known Sangram for a long time, and we got talking about the fact that you know th- there wasn't much content on that podcast about larger companies doing ABM. There was there was a real startup flavor to it, which is awesome. I love that stuff. But I, I've got some reasonable experience in larger companies doing ABM. So Sangram asked me to do a, a regular series of guest hosted episodes uh, talking about large scale ABM in, in you know, global enterprises. And I've done nine or 10 episodes there now. So flip my funnel. That's uh, great. Not just my episodes, but lots of great episodes there. Um, so yeah, um, I, anytime I can talk to someone and learn something and talk about all this stuff that, that is so much fun, uh, I'm always happy to do it. So yeah, check me out on LinkedIn, read something I wrote, listen to something I recorded. If you think it's good, share it. If you think it's bad, you know, tell me, let's talk about it. I personally very much enjoy your posts on LinkedIn and uh, I, I follow you closely and uh, it's an absolute pleasure for to have you on the show and uh, and thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Shaheen. It was a lot of fun. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. That's very true. Thanks a lot, Steve. See you later. Thanks, Shaheen. Bye. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.